Welcome to the Money BS Podcast, where I'm on a mission to get rid of the unhelpful thoughts we've been taught about money. I'm your host, Master Certified Mindset Coach, Belinda Smith. I help my clients make their first dollar and their first million dollars. Y'all ready? Let's do it. Hello, hello, hello. I actually can sing better than that, but I think that's more fun. Don't you? What's good, you guys? I'm happy to be back with you, and I hope you're happy to be here and that you are not being held hostage and forced to listen to the podcast. I have to tell you what what happened. So, okay, you have to understand this about me. I hate to get gas. Like I just, it's just to me, like I think gas should just magically appear from the imaginary gas leprechauns anytime I need it. And it of course does not. So I will run my car till the very, very, very end. So it's like, you know, first the uh, empty light comes on and then, so that's like your real cue that like you're in trouble. And then... (laughs) Not everyone would know this, but if you go past the empty light, then the empty light begins to flash. Okay, so my thing, (laughs) I'll drive my car till I have the flash because that way I know that I have gotten as much out of my, I think I have a 12 gallon tank that I, because it's like, it's like when you get, when you buy like a, a Coke or something, Like I, or a milkshake, that's even better. A milkshake. You want every last bit of the milkshake. Like that's why people slurp with their straws because you paid for every stinking molecular cell of the ice cream. You paid for that. So I want all of it. So I do not judge slurping. And if you judge my slurping, well, that's some thought work that you need to do. So I feel the same way about gas. I feel like there's a small amount of gas in my tank all the time that I that I paid for, but I never get to use. <laughs> so my obsession is to use as much as possible. So the other day, so I live maybe, maybe a mile, maybe a mile from the gas station and it's flat. Thank goodness. Okay. So I get in the car and listen, I have run out of gas and I have had to um, (laughs) manually push my car all by myself. I'm not even going to pretend that hasn't happened, but Hey, I got, I got the gas I paid for it. Right. So I'm driving down the street and here's what's happened. I know I have a brake light out, so I had to do this in the daytime and across from the gas station is like an auto zone or something where I was going to get my brake lights. Um, Shout out to Ashante at uh, the auto zone. I thought he was an extraordinary guy, wonderful young man. And he totally replaced my brake lights. Okay. But anyway, let me tell you, I decided to go to the gas station only because when, as I'm passing the bowling alley, my car sort of does that. It's like a jump, like the engine sort of jumps. I'm like, Oh shoot. This is like, no, no joke. Now I have, I've used it. I I pulled in to the gas station and my car ran out of gas, like the exact distance from where like you get the, like where the gas hose at the top, 
would reach into my gas tank. Like I'm pulled into the ga- into the um, the thing sideways, kind of. And listen, I was prepared to push, so I know this is on me. But it was like it was like God Himself shined down and said, "Here." Here is a present. So I was able to get gas and I laughed the entire time. Like I felt like somehow I won. I don't know. It was totally winning. Then, like I said, I went across the street and to get my brake lights replaced. And I get out of the car and I I never obviously I never go by my passenger side because I drive on the driver's side. I go by the passenger side. <laughs> Oh my gosh. When I tell you I have been sideswiped, like it was significant. It was like, an, and that reminds me, I actually need to call my insurance company about that. Thanks for the reminder. It was like a really, really significant sideswipe. And I was like, oh no, I can't let this take away my gas station joy. So then I went in and I, um, the kid came out and did my brake lights. He's like, oh, smack. I was like, yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? But that was in fact, out of three things, there were two good. So I decided to go with the awesome. Anyway, I had to tell you about that because I have to tell you like my stuff. I don't know. This is like my therapeutic moment when we start. And today's topic is about being legit. And I'm a legit hater of getting gas. <laughs> you may not want to ride with me um, toward the end of the gas tank because it gets very exciting. It's like a roller coaster. Uh, I have been, I've been in the coaching coaching industry for for what I would say quite a while. I've been in, uh, let's say, the music industry for over twenty years. I have uh, been in the real estate industry for maybe five or six. I'm not hundred percent sure how long that is. I have done disability advocacy. I did that for about four years. Lord of mercy, everything's ringing a bell. Um, let's see. I worked for the federal government for 18 years. I'm trying to think of all the things I've done. But anyway, I moved to Nashville to be a songwriter. Like that was the entire deal. I wanted to write songs. I wanted to be part of the music industry. That was it. And I will tell you, let me let me give a parenthetical here. I already have been given more from the music industry than I would have ever been happy with. So I'm so grateful to still be getting cuts, to still be able to do part of it, to still um, just enjoy that. Now, one of the things that always, it's it came up in songwriting, it came up Uh, It's come up with coaching. I've heard it said just everywhere and it drives me stinking insane. I can't take it. So uh, when I came down uh, from West Virginia and I first moved here to be a songwriter, I mean, I I had already written songs. I had already had songs. uh, I had a song recorded by a professional artist or a national artist, but I did work five hours or five hours. (laughs) I wish five days a week, 40, 40 hours a week. Uh, for the government. And I would go in really early. I would leave at 3.30. I would drive across town to a publisher who had already told me I had an open door. And I would write songs. And then I also worked full time. Now, listen, I wasn't married. Um, Health insurance was on me. Paying the the rent was on me. Buying my groceries was, was on me. All of it was on me. So when you're doing songwriting, uh, you have to build that up. You have to become somebody in who has some, you know, cred, you've got to get your skills, you've got to have your craft uh, really worked out in order to get your songs cut. 
cut means recorded if you're not sure. So I was doing both things. It didn't make me less of a songwriter because I hadn't gotten, you know, professional awards here in Nashville. I was in in being a songwriter also didn't make me less of a government employee. It was like both. Both things were equal. And the way, uh, interestingly enough, my very first song that was recorded here when I got to Nashville, it was a radio single. It was uh, it went to number one, and then uh, it got nom- nominated for a Dove Award, which is a kind of a, was a goal from uh, the time I was little. And the way that my coworkers at Social Security, whoops, I shouldn't say that. Now y'all know, but anyway, I worked for the Social Security Administration. Um, the way they found out that I was a writer was they saw my nomination in, in the newspaper. So woohoo, that was super fun. So then you go on and and the government was really great to work with me as songwriting started to get um, a little bit more lucrative. And so I was able to cut down to part time and still be still write songs. But listen, I still had to have medical insurance. So, you know, could I have technically quit my government job and, and been a songwriter solely? Yeah. But then I would have had to pay for insurance. So there would have been this whole other thing. Okay. Still, I defy anyone to say that I was any less of a songwriter because I was working somewhere else. Okay. I was, I had two jobs. How about that? Can you imagine? Right. Now, fast forward, I did disability advocacy, which I loved so much but I still wrote songs. Was I less of a disability advocate because I can write songs? No. Was I less of a songwriter because I was an advocate? No. I did both things that I love. All right. Fast forward now to the question. I don't know why it comes up, but these are two areas, especially, and I'm sure that you'll, you'll, you can think about it in your life. When you're pursuing another passion and you are working Uh, two jobs for that, it does not make you less of your passion because you're doing another job which supports your passion. I had one, one person that I was talking to not too long ago who asked me if I made, uh, they were thinking about uh, working with me as a coach and they said, well, uh, are you a full-time coach? And I was like, well, what do you mean by full-time? Well, do you pay all your bills by coaching? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I do several things. So, you know, wherever the money comes in, I guess is how the bills get paid. I was like, I just hadn't really thought. And she's like, well, I only want to work with a coach who is full time. Of course, I'm a money mindset and confidence coach. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, and, and so we had this big conversation. She's like, well, I don't know if you can help me grow my business if you're not legit. And I was like, wow, that's a fascinating, just a fascinating thing to think about that I can't be in her in her mind legit because I do multiple things that bring me joy. Um, and so I find this to be very true. So that's as a songwriter thing. Uh, when I go and teach at songwriting and lyric workshops, people will say, so are you a full-time songwriter? And the answer is like, well, I mean, no, because I do other things. Well, and, and you know, well, then maybe I want to work with someone else who's a full-time songwriter. And the truth is, I don't know. I don't know if I, maybe one person 
who only relies on songwriting because there's so many fun things to do around that. You can do publishing, you can do writing, you can do producing, you can do all kinds of things. So is that, does that make you less of a writer because you do other things? Um, yeah, the answer would be no. Okay. Artists, creative people who are like, let's say, let's do like book writers, novelists, uh, poets, are you less of a writer, like poet, novelist, whatever you like to write, because you're doing something else and paying for your medical insurance? Um, crap, no, that is so ridiculous. Writers write. If you're writing, you are a legitimate writer. Uh, let's go to visual artists. You go and you work, you put the money in the bank, and then you get to work on your passion. These are two very legitimate things. It doesn't make you less of something else, um, less of an artist because you're doing something else. It may also make you an, an amazing administrative assistant because, and, and still an artist. You can have two things and feel completely whole and complete and awesome. And so I'm going to tell you this, tell you this little story, and then I'm going to tell you this thing for me. I have a client who, when we started working, she has all these skills. She's just an incredibly inspiring human. We started working together. Um, she works in an executive role. And her initial salary when we started was around, I'm not, I'm not going to give total specifics, but it was around $140,000 a year. So within this uh, time that, like I think I told you, I usually like to work one-on-one -on -one for six months. So, and then you know, resign if, if we have more work to do. So she started in that neighborhood and then another job opportunity came up and we were talking about how much she should ask for. So what would her salary be? And we started looking at all of her qualifications, everything that she's done, everything that she is, the human that she is and how incredible she is. And she's like, well, maybe I should ask for 30,000 more. Like maybe I should go for like 170. And I was like, Hey, why don't we just go for 250? And I think the bottom fell out of her stomach, like 250. I was like, yeah, what, like what would happen? I mean, the worst they're going to say is, no. And you could be like, well, okay, really, I'll do it for, for 170. You know, I was like, why don't just feel it out and, and try it? Do you know what? They came back with her $250,000 ask, and they came back and said, you know what? The best we can do is 230. Okay. Same person. Um, and, oh, and she also does professional speaking. I don't think I left that part out. So she has professional speaking fees and she's an executive. Okay. So 200 and, and I'm going to say $230,000 range. Then a few months later, another opportunity, uh, a huge opportunity comes up and she's like, well, oh my gosh, should I, should I ask for more? I feel like I've already asked. I'm already, you know, and all this time she's the same person. She's like not, she's not taking any more training. She hasn't gone back to school. She hasn't done anything else. She's the same person. She's still working with her experience and she's still bringing money in from speaking fees. This time she's like, you know what? I didn't have to tell her on this one, y'all. She's like, I'm going to ask for 400, 400,000 a year. In six months, she goes from 
from asking, wanting to ask for like 170 to wanting to ask for 400. You know what I'm doing in my chair? I'm like, heck yes, maybe a little stronger. Yes, indeed. And they came back with 380 something. So, so if you, you can't have what you don't ask for, right? That's a little separate thing. We'll talk about that on another episode. But with that, let me just ask you a question. And she still has speaking to do. Do you seriously think that my client is sitting around and on our calls going, oh my gosh, they're not going to think I'm a legitimate executive who who brings in over $400,000 a year because I also do speaking. They're not going to think I'm a legitimate speaker because I also have to work as a CEO. Shut your face. No, no. That money spends the same. When you put that money in the bank, it's your money. When I put up a, so for me, when I put up a 20K month in, in, a, in a month, when I've got 20K in my bank account for a month, do you think I sit around and worry whether people think I'm legit? You know what? I got some money and I earn all of that on my own. I do it and I don't, well, like I said last time, what you think of me is actually none of my business, but I don't really care kind of what you think on that because I got that money in my account, okay? I have the the satisfaction, even if I don't put up a 20K month, if it's a, if it's a 15K month, I still have had so much joy creating and doing what I do. So uh, for the, the person who was saying, well, you're not a legitimate coach if you don't make all your money from coaching, I'm like, hmm, well, I mean, I think that's a thought error, and that's a thought error that you need to work through. Uh, if I did not have all of this experience, I wouldn't be able to coach, right? If my um, executive didn't have executive experience, she wouldn't be able to speak. If she wasn't a really great speaker, then would she be offered all of these opportunities? I don't know. I don't know how it goes. But today, I want to encourage you in whatever area it is, wherever you think I do this, but I'm not really, I'm not really legitimate because I also have to do this to pay the rent. Okay. Or maybe, you know, I don't want to tell anyone I do this because obviously they see me in this role. Okay. I challenge you to, to correct those thought errors. You can be a writer and you can be a server. You can be a, a, an executive and a speaker. You can write articles for a journal, for a, a, a journalistic, is that a word? A journalistic publication. And you can also be a poet. All of this is fine and possible and okay. Oh my gosh, that was like a total soapbox, wasn't it? <laughs> You're like, okay, Belinda. Okay, I get it. I get it. I would like to hear what you think about this. You can always email me, uh, Belinda at unhookedlife.com. And again, I would be so grateful and deeply honored if you would subscribe to the podcast. You know, it helps get the word out. And um, again, I, I just... I think we're putting good stuff into the world, gang. I really, really do. So, beautifuls, remember, you get to decide if you're legit. Nobody else gets to decide. And if somebody thinks that you're not a legitimate artist or a legitimate at whatever you do because you have multiple sources of income, um, 
yeah, then shut that down and let them do their own work. Okay. All right. I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm going to hope that you have the most wonderful day ever. And I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks again for listening to today's podcast. I'd love it if you invite your friends to listen in. Remember, it's not about the money. It's about the mindset. You could use some personalized support around this area of your life. I do have some limited number of openings, and I'd love to talk to you and see if we're okay. The link to book a chat is in the show notes. Also, please go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Y'all know that every star counts. All right, I'll see you next time.